it felt like putting out fires, right? We were just reacting and we got a hiring plan and sometimes it could be a backflow and we we're just trying to keep up. We're barely above water and now it really feels like a well-oiled machine and the output is threefold. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. I'm your host, Brianna Autry, and today I am joined by Yanilda Gonzalez. Yanilda is the head of global talent operations at Content Square. How's it going, Yanilda? Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I can't complain. It's another amazing day in paradise, the world of ops. Another fire to put out, I'm sure. Definitely. It's never a dull day here. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're going to be chatting about building the machine behind the machine in operations, why that inspires you, how it's propelled your career forward. But to start, I just want to understand, you know, what's your background? How did you get to your current position? Yeah, definitely. So I am, as you mentioned, the head of global talent acquisition operations at Content Square. And I didn't start out that way. So when I joined the company almost three years ago, I started out as a senior recruiter. So I was focused on helping to scale the teams here based in the U.S. And over the course of the last, you know, three years or so have progressed and kind of grown within the talent acquisition team. Before that, I was at another MarTech company and same. I was in a similar position and actually grew from a coordinator. And by the time I left there, I was managing at its maximum about two people within the talent acquisition team. So I've been in this marketing technology space for a while. And then before that, interestingly enough, I was in sort of a very operational role. I worked for a, a test prep company and helped with some administrative logistical activities and, and responsibilities. So I always was sort of very operational minded. So it's funny to kind of morph the two now. That's really interesting. Yeah, no path into operations is ever, you know, clear or distinct. Everyone's is different. So it's interesting to hear that you sort of had a desire from working at the in the talent acquisition space to go into the operational side of that. I love that. And I want to dig into that more later. So what does Content Square do exactly? Yeah, so we're a digital experience analytics platform. So essentially what our platform does and what the tool does is it allows our customers, brands from around the world to get insights, gain insights into the human emotions behind what makes these individuals click. So think about a website and how you're navigating through that as a user, as you know, a normal website visitors and the brand itself being able to actually gain some insight into, hey, why is this person bouncing off of this? Why is the click rate high here and low here? What are the conversion rates? So really being able to kind of tell a story and understanding also through those actionable insights, what what excites them? What can you do differently within your website to help motivate, you know, online users and help essentially kind of convert them and help increase your your revenue and, and conversion. So but for us, really, our mission is to make the digital world more human. So what's important to us is really to help build more human online experiences. And so we will do this through being able to provide insights from our tool. Mm, yeah. Okay. So a lot of operations happening in the background of your organization as well. And, definitely. Um, I've obviously heard of Content Square, but for those who haven't, definitely check it out. So 
Content Square has seen sort of rapid scale. So how does that affect operations within the company as a whole? Yeah, definitely. It's interesting because we have different operations types of company, sorry, departments across the entire company. And, you know, we've seen a lot of growth organically, but at the same time, we've had growth through M&A and we're continuing to scale. Um, I think we're in a very unique, fortunate position as a business, despite everything kind of going on in the outside space and, and world with our economy and obviously with the pandemic hitting a couple years ago where our value proposition really is heightened, given, again, that things there's this huge movement and acceleration to make like the digital space and world and right and like purchases on there. And that kind of thing and even dating. So I say all that to say that we have lots of opportunities, as you can see through our rounds of funding and lots of investment into what we're doing here. So, you know, for us expanding into different territories, like even today, I was just looking and, and counting and I was like, wow, we're at, I think, 17 offices and we're a completely global, like distributed team. I think at this point, we're about 14, almost 1500 employees. So it's been a ride for sure, but there's just this huge focus on scaling, lots of organic growth, as I mentioned, but also, you know, continuing to find more ways to help meet all of the demands and all of the ambitious goals that we have while still remaining operationally sound and putting into place different things like for instance, a a BI team, right? A dedicated kind of shared service that'll allow our executives and our departments to have very clear like top KPIs that we're trying to hit and standardizing that. And then as I mentioned again, all of these departments having like this branch and this arm of ops, you know, a dedicated team to handle, you know, the processes, the workflows, the different programs, the systems, the tools within these departments is key and is what's really allowing us to scale at the rate in which we're scaling. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine going from just increasing the employee size operationally, what that does at that scale. Yeah, not to mention the customers. So, you have to have the right structure in place to keep growing. Like you right. Said. And you have to be agile with it and be willing to change it rapidly as well. Yeah. Because it's kind of a trial by fire situation. Cool. Okay. So I want to talk about your career. Earlier you mentioned, you know, you worked in talent acquisition, moved into ops. You actually turned down a promotion to work so that you could work in the current ops role that you have. So why did you do that? Yeah, so I think I had a moment and I was, again, speaking of of fortune, fortunate enough to be in a position and part of a company that really kind of values the employee and and their career path and and interests and goals. When the opportunity presented itself to, you know, be promoted and move into a head of TA position, so managing our team of recruiters for the U.S., that was sort of the kind of linear path for me. And so I was also kind of privy to the fact that we were going to build out a TA operations function or center of excellence. I raised my hand because I felt like with that role, there was so much more that I was going to be able to touch from a global perspective, you know, from a department perspective and and really putting into place systems and, again, processes, tools, workflows, hiring, enablement, all these kinds of things that I felt like were going to touch the TA team, the hiring teams at a much larger scale than me just honestly managing a team of seven recruiters. Now, that's a very admirable, fulfilling job in and of itself. And I would have been 
very happy to kind of move forward. But I felt like for me and my own personal goal and again, the opportunity to work at a more global scale really enticed me. So that's why I really pursued this position and uh, was able to have a strong manager and an and advocate who really helped in making that happen. Yeah, I think in, in my position now, I and I'm sure you were going to ask this, but my team is almost 20 people and again, completely distributed. I have people based in Tel Aviv, in France, in the UK, across, you know, the US. And I wouldn't have necessarily had all of that had I, you know, just focused on the US hiring and been the head of TA there. So I really do enjoy kind of the, just the, the reach of my role. I mean, that's incredible and admirable. And I think a lot of operations folks listening in both live and, and after the fact would identify with that, right? I'm curious to know, how do you manage the distributed team? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like I learn as I go and it's it's been a work in progress, but I feel like we're in a pretty solid place now. Part of it is needing to be available during certain times. And when you're a part of a company that is so flexible and trusts employees to get the job done, right? I have the flexibility of starting my days earlier and, you know, being able to kind of manipulate the, the timeframes in which I can, you know, do my own job, right? No one is kind of like checking when I'm clocking in, clocking out. But I think the key though is managing your time. So really kind of being able to dedicate enough time to deep work which I'm still kind of navigating and trying to improve on that. But, you know, dedicating the necessary time for the deep work, you know, to actually do the building while also empowering your team and and being able to kind of take a step back and give them the necessary support and tools, but for them to kind of see things from inception to completion and it coming to life. And then also, you know, needing to navigate your own time with like the number of calls that you're on and, and being available in different time zones. I mean, I've also just to kind of align with team members in Japan, I've had to work in the night, right? And and that's okay. But the, the key is to find a balance and find what works for you and being able to be like very communicative with the, the larger team on your availabilities and that kind of thing. And But it's definitely like a juggling act for sure. I will not, you know, pretend it's all rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's a, a huge scope, a global scope of just time zones in general. Very mm-hmm. impressive. And I think most ops folks struggle with like, you're putting out the fires, but then when do you actually have time for the deep work to set up the systems in place so that the fires don't come at all, right? Yeah, like the reactive versus proactive piece of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one to overcome. So, When we talked earlier, you mentioned that you built an entirely new operating system. So what prompted this and why did you do it and what is the result then? Definitely. So I will be transparent in that when my VP was my direct manager joined the company, she had done something similar at her previous company, one of her previous companies and sort of ran the talent acquisition team in the way that I'm about to describe. However, I will say that once she came on board, really my job as the the head of TA Ops was to make that happen. And I had never done that before. So what we decided to do is put into place this model and sort of structure within the talent acquisition team that pretty much mimicked a sales team. And what we found is, I mean, the analogy that I can provide is think of a bread baker, 
who makes bread and how you're only able to put out and bake enough breads if you're one person versus, you know, having a team of people who are dedicated to certain phases or stages in that or steps, I guess I would say, if I'm speaking about bread in that recipe, right? I think that's key. So if you have a coordinator, right, to bring it back to talent acquisition, whose sole kind of like focus or primary focus is on the scheduling part, they're able to really provide a best in class, like top candidate experience and and being responsive and being able to navigate and troubleshoot whenever, you know, conflicts come up or Zoom issues occur, that thing, those kinds of things. So giving them that focus really entails and ensures more of that positive candidate experience. Then you have a sourcer, which we have talent acquisition sourcers who are dedicated fully to building the top of the funnel, those candidate pipelines. And when you have that, you continue to have this like you know, feeder system. And so that really does alleviate a lot of that pressure from the recruiter. Not that the recruiter doesn't source because they still do, but it really allows the recruiter, again, to talk about like lessens the pressure of, you know, focusing on just the top of the funnel and allows them to really dedicate more of their time and efforts on pre-closing those candidates that have made it past those initial stages of the recruitment process, which will hopefully heighten their chances of closing that candidate and hiring them, but also helps the recruiter really dedicate enough time and effort and investment into the relationship with the stakeholder, with that hiring manager and really building that because that's so important. And it allows them also to kind of set themselves up as a true partner, which is what we wanted to do for our team. So, and going back to kind of the reactivity, I mean, for so long when, at least when I joined here, it felt like, it felt like putting out fires, right? We were just reacting and we got a hiring plan and sometimes it could be a backflow and we're just trying to keep up. We're barely above water. And now it really feels like a well-oiled machine. And the output is threefold, to be honest. So I think being able to, again, mimic and have a similar structure to sales has really helped us. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we're here and we're just trying to put butts in seats. I mean, there's that's not by any means. So what we're trying to do, it's really important to us to bring aboard people who are really aligned with our mission and our values. And for us, it's important to also, from a candidate perspective, make sure that we're the right fit for you, you know, that you're making the right choice. So. Yeah, I mean, that is extremely impressive that you created that. And, you know, you might be able to just package that and sell that. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. We have a question from our live audience from Javi. Javi is an awesome member of the Adaptive Ops community. It's good to see you here, Javi. He says, hi, Anilda and Bree. Thanks so much for this. Great to see some fellow NYCers. He says, I'm curious what advice you would give a young Yanilda starting in ops. What fundamental things would you put in place to support growth? Mm, that's interesting. Hi, Javi. I think one of the things that I always say, and maybe this is like a myth or misconception about when startups or companies or teams are really trying to like move quickly and kind of keep up is 
you have to move slow to move fast, if that makes sense. And so I would just tell myself, like, be confident in pushing back and having the business or whoever, you know, might be in the conversation or, or in that particular scenario, be aligned with you and, and helping them to see the value of actually taking a step back and highlighting the importance and the significance of having structure and how that will actually help us move even quicker, right? And move the needle even faster. So I feel like that's probably a piece of advice that I would give, you know, my younger self and especially kind of starting out in ops is just be confident in what you're set to do and the value that you're providing in that perspective of that operational perspective that people don't kind of like take a minute to not to their fault, but you know, that they just don't think makes sense to even have a conversation about. I love that. And I love that question. Thank you so much, Javi. You talked about the team that you manage. What's your management style and philosophy? Like what advice do you have mm-hmm. for folks looking to get into management or are in yeah. a management position? Definitely. I would say, I mean, my style, I'm for sure a servant leader. I'm really here to ensure that my managers under me, but also the, the team members in our direct reports, our ICs, are able to deliver on what they need to deliver on, and I'm giving them the proper tools. I'm helping to enable them. I'm helping to empower them to do their jobs. So that's sort of the way I I kind of see my style. I do also think I'm an empathetic leader, and I take pride in that. And as I mentioned, I do have managers now who report directly into me and so now manage teams. And that's one thing that I've tried to create within my own team is that culture, that management culture of compassion and empathy while also, you know, making sure that we're holding our teams accountable and, and ensuring that they have everything that they do in order to do their jobs successfully, setting them up for success, essentially. What was the other piece of your question? Because I did have something that I wanted to add to that. I was asking about what advice you have for ops folks trying to get into management or if yeah. they're in management. Yeah, if they're trying to get into management, I mean, I would say the way I kind of got here is, It happened very kind of organically and naturally, but I would act as a player coach. I think there's a lot of, you know, everyone has their own unique skills and and qualities that make them successful in their own respective jobs, right? We all have our strengths. And if you can play and tap into that and be able to kind of take someone under your wing, whether they seek it out or not, I think if you could kind of raise your hand and, and start to take like it's about leading from the front, right? Leading from within. And don't be scared of doing that and raising your hand and taking opportunities to help onboard someone new. I remember that's how I started. I was just like, hey, I'd be happy to onboard this other coordinator years ago when I was at, at Percolate, my previous company. That's how it started. I would just take lead on the onboarding of a fellow peer. And we kind of grew from there. And then these people, your peers start to kind of see you in this way of, you know, a role model and you start to lead by example. And then that just kind of, again, organically happens that way. I think also maybe seeking out, you know, some kind of mentor would help, you know, some kind of leader that you see within your own network or even outside and try to create that relationship that you aspire to be your qualities that you you see and, and kind of want to learn a bit more about and their path in getting there. So I think that's important. And then in terms of if you're a current manager, one thing that I do is and that I always say is we should be forever learners. 
and I consider myself a forever learner. And so there should be no egos. And, you know, we should learn from even our own direct reports from our peers, from, yes, uh, the people, you know, the up management or upliner or so to speak. But I think if you continue to just learn, network with other managers, I love to join webinars just like this, you know, like live sessions like this and interviews where I can learn from other people in sort of very similar positions. Because I think the more you know, the more you can apply and try out and test. And if you never want to be stagnant as a manager, I feel like that would be a recipe for disaster later down the line. Yeah, yeah. The live audience loves your forever learner, no place for ego comment, which I agree with. I was just about to say I love that. And I think that yeah. that's almost something managers need to have like written down on their wall just as a reminder. Mm-hmm. And everyone in work, right, even if you're not managing people, just being a mm-hmm. forever in your role is is so key, especially in operations, because it's ever changing. There's always a new system, always a new way to solve a problem. So yeah, absolutely agree with that. So in your opinion, what are the benefits sort of of, of being the machine behind the machine in operations? Yeah, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but it's about like you're able to touch so many parts of the business and even within your own function and the reach that you have when you're building certain things is much greater than, again, if it's a more like transactional, like one-off type of situation. So that's what I really value and enjoy. And I can't kind of give some concrete examples because I feel like this will kind of help paint that, that picture. One of the things that we're currently working on is we're integrating our applicant tracking system with our human capital management system. So having the two really talk to each other so that we can automate our processes more within the HR people team. That has been a huge effort. There's lots lots of technicalities and things. And, you know, usually integration projects like that can take, you know, two to almost three months for us. So it's very, you know, in, an involved process. Now, what that's going to do is it's going to completely overhaul our very manual process of email exchanges to get a job rec opening, to get approvals along the way, to ensure that our finance team has the proper, most accurate information and data around headcount and, and can forecast appropriately for the business. So this one process, which you can see, and okay, it's a process actually is going to completely change what we're currently doing and have been so used to doing, right? So, you know, it's not just within the TA team that we're changing the process, but it's the business. It's when hiring managers are submitting requests, when a headcount plan owner is approving that request, when finance is overseeing things. You know, there's so many stakeholders, right, that it touches. And then it's going to really allow us to just work more efficiently. And going back to the fact that we're scaling, it's going to give us a more sustainable way of working because again, we've now reached the size and we're going to continue to reach the size where like these very manual transactional back and forth via email, like we can't do that anymore. Right. We need guardrails in place and all this type of stuff. So that's the stuff that excites me. And when I think about the machine behind the machine, that's like a, think of it as like a cog wheel. Like that's the type of stuff that, helps to make us work better as a company and be able to meet everything that we need to meet from a goals perspective, objectives, and that kind of thing. A hundred percent. Very well said. And I completely agree. So with that, I'm going to let you get back to your very busy day. But final question, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to follow up? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can send me a LinkedIn request and just indicate, of course, that you were part of this or viewed it later on. That way it can, because obviously, as you can imagine, I get a ton of those. But I feel like that's good. And also, honestly, my work email is totally fine. If anyone wants to reach out, it's Yanilda, my full first name, dot Gonzalez, last name at contentsquare.com. So don't hesitate to also send me an email. I love to network. I'm happy to network with certain individuals. So, yeah. Awesome, Yanilda. Well, I'm excited to see where you go from here. And congrats on all your success so far. And I love seeing your passion for the field. So thanks for sharing that with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 